A lesson comes out of the book of Luke, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. Uh, this is probably a good sermon, it's a lectionary sermon for the, this week, but it's probably a good sermon compared with all that's happened in our community this week. Next week, we will be looking at Luke chapter 15, the whole chapter. We're not going to read the whole chapter, we're just going to read pieces and parts of it. Going to kind of the highlight of that uh, chapter. So, if you want to be ready for next week's sermon, read all of Luke 15. And uh, it's really a, that's one of the better passages in Luke. Uh, so, with that, is let's go ahead and start in Luke chapter 1, chapter 13, verse 1. There were present at the they were present at the season who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with, the, with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans, because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you likewise perish. Uh, uh, or those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed, and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all the other who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came, he came, seeking, fruit, uh, he came seeking fruit on it, found none. Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit. On this fig tree, and find none. Cut it down. Why those? Why those? It, why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if it does not, after that you can cut it down. This is the word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. Two stories that are related together. Uh, we know from historical records, uh, the Romans were really good about keeping historical records. We know that historical re records that Pilate was a very cruel uh, person. He liked to massacre people uh, in groups. Uh, he, really didn't, he really disliked the Jews. And so Pilate there, this record of him killing the Galileans is official record. We know that that is to be history. The tower that fell was actually part of the wall that had watchtowers, and we know that to be an official record of history. So we know these two things are true. We know these two stories are true. They're events that have happened in the past, and they bring it up to Jesus. And what they're asking is, and this is the question that we have to continue to ask ourselves. It's a continue, I promise you, it was asked this last week. Why do bad things happen to good people? Is it that, you know, why does it happen? You know, and that's what Jesus is basically saying. You think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? No, they weren't. They were just Galileans. They were just normal people living their life. And all of a sudden, in the midst of normal life, Pilate comes and kills them. He kills a group of them. And they, and they suffer this horrible, horrible death. Is it because they were worse Galileans or worse people than other people? No, it's just life. And the same thing here, this tragic accident. 
this tragic accident of the tower falling and killing these 18 people. Do we, do, were they worse people than other people? Were they worse Jews than, than the other Jews? No. They were just happened to be at the right place at the wrong time. And when the tower fell, they are probably working on it. When the tower fell, they killed 18 of them. They, were they worse than anybody else? Were they better than anybody else? Well, we don't know that. But good thing, I mean, bad things happen to good people sometimes. Sometimes that's just life. Life is not fair. The world is not fair. It's not fair whether you're playing sports. It's not fair whether you're driving down the road. Life is not fair. And sometimes, because of the fallen world we live in, bad things happen. And there's times that there are bad people. We see it on the news every day, if you watch the news, that there's these horrible people, and they seem to get away with crime after crime after crime, and nothing seems to happen to them. That's just life, people. We live in this fallen world. We live in this fallen world. But what Jesus is talking about here, he's talking about something deeper, not about their immediate death. But what he's talking about is life after, after death. He's talking really about this life after death. The Bible says, unless Jesus comes back soon, the Bible says that it's appointed for man, man and woman, to die once. Unless Jesus comes back, you and I will one day be at the funeral with the undertaker dressing us. That is just how it's going to go. Whether we die when we're really old, will we die when we're really young, or we die somewhere in the middle. We don't know that. Only God knows that. But the reality of life is everyone will die. Everyone. We're all going to go there. And is God out there looking and smiting some people, not others? I don't think so. You know, he's going along. We're going here. Sometimes, you know what kills a lot of people? We call it in the military, we call it the Darwin Awards. Their own stupidity. A lot of times we do stupid things. or we Sometimes we just make stupid mistakes, driving a car, pulling out in front of somebody, or doing something else. It just causes an accident and we die. Where's God in that? He's there in the grace and the mercy. He's there with the family. And so we need to understand, what we need to understand is we need to understand this today. So like the week, especially the Dixons had, we need to understand this today so when it happens to us and to our family, we know it's just life. That God is still there with us. God is with us through grace and mercy through these tragic times. And what matters is, do we believe in God? Do we have a relationship with Jesus? That's what matters. Do you have this relationship with Jesus so when your day comes and you die, that you do not perish? Unless you repent and believe in Jesus, when you die in this life, you will perish in the next life. That is what's important about this story. Life happens and we die. That's just it. But where will you spend eternity? That is the question. And that's the question Jesus is addressing here. Repent or perish. You're going to die. They just face the fact. I mean, it's just an ugly truth. Nobody likes to talk about it. Nobody likes to talk about death and everything because it's not a subject, it's not a happy subject. And I don't know anybody, no matter how old they were, that died. Too early. 
or, or, you know, or, or at the right time. None of our, we don't ever want none of our loved ones to die. Or we don't want to die. But so we go along, but we know that's the reality of life. And the question is, the question is, are you saved? Let me just be a little Baptist here for a little bit. If you die today, will you see the face of Jesus tonight? That's just the way it is. And that's what Jesus is talking about. And so we move on to the next story. The parable of the, of the fig tree. A certain man had this fig tree and he planted it in the vineyard. And he came seeking it and found no fruit. He'd done it for three years. The fig tree almost always represents Israel. The fig tree almost always represents Israel. And this time it is. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 24, Jesus tells us that he was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. He come to the house of Israel first. He comes seeking the Jews first, and then the Gentile ministry was to be taken afterwards. But he gives the Jews the chance to repent and, and to repent and to believe in him that the, he is the Messiah. And what we see here is for three years they deny his ministry. And, and so he's ready to cut it down. We can go back to John chapter 3, verse 9, and through seven, verses 7 through 9. Is this is where John's baptizing people. And he baptizes the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The church leaders come down and he tells them, You brood of vipers, why do you come? Why do you come here today? What do you come to seek and see? And he says that the axe is already at the fig tree. The axe is already here. God is ready to cut the tree down. And this story kind of parallels that one. Well, hold on a minute. Because God is the God of second chances. <laughs> we did a double amen on that one. Only one person amen, and Charles Stanley would have got a big amen. I'm telling you what, we're getting TVs up here, and we're putting big amen signs on them. But so we, we go along there. How many of us need that second chance? How many of us? God is the God of second chances. And he goes along. Praise the Lord for grace and mercy. Praise the Lord for grace and mercy on this. And we're not replacing theology. I'm not a replacement theologist where we replace the church with Israel. Israel is Israel. God is going to still deal with Israel. He's dealing with Israel and the Jews. And he's dealing with us too. But we've been grafted in. We've been grafted in to be part of Israel, part of the salvation plan into the world. And so let's look at this individually. There we are, we're there, and as God is there, and he goes along. I like the story of Moses. You know, Moses goes along, and he goes up the mountain, he gets the Ten Commandments, and he comes down, and what did the people do? They built the golden calf, they're having this wild party, and Moses breaks the Ten Commandments, and has to go back up the mountain. And what does God say? I'm paraphrasing the story for you. What does God say? I love this story. Step aside, Moses. Step aside. I am going to kill those people. The axe is at the tree and I am going to kill them. What does Moses do? Moses, Moses is the Jesus in this story. The story of Moses and Israel is the same story as the, the preamble to the story of Jesus and us. What, what does he do? What, is, what does Moses do? This is where we get the Day of Atonement for if you look, we keep up with the feast. Moses stands in front of God and says, kill them, you kill me. I don't want to live if you smite them. 
If you're not going to forgive them, don't forgive me. And what does God do? A second chance. Let's jump that story 2,000 years forward. The axe is at the tree, not only to cut down Israel, but to cut down all of humanity. And the son comes before the father. Not them. Not them, God. Not them, Dad. I will die in their place. I will die for them. I will take their punishment. And we know how that story turns out. That Jesus is whipped beyond recognition. That Jesus is hung on the cross. He died for yours and my sin. He died. So just back to the story of Isaac and Abraham and Isaac there. When he goes along, he got Isaac tied up and God tells him to kill Isaac. And he goes along in that story and all of a sudden there's the ram that's caught in there and he killed the ram instead of my son. And the ram turns into this replacement for, for his son. But this time, that's not how it happens. The son has to die for the people that God created. And with that, just like that story of Isaac, he was able to put his knife away from killing his son. The same story is with us because the God of mercy, the God of grace, the God of forgiveness... Is the, had, got, he gets to put his axe away and not cut us down, not cut us short because he loves you and he loves me. And he, and he loves us and he wants to see us. His word tells us, I, I got plans to prosper you but not harm you. I got plans to make your life better if you would follow me and you would follow my word. And, and, and so we, we see that in the story here, that when we t- put ourselves in the place of Israel, we're to live a life of bearing good fruit. How are you bearing fruit in your life? We're in this Lent season. We're in the Lent season. And for those who come to Ash Wednesday service, I made this mention, there's four of us clergy guys, one girl, but there's, there's three of us guys. And there's several of us clergy people, and this walk to Emmaus, the journey, and all of us kind of the same thing. Uh, we, we work together. We seem to find ourselves working together quite a bit. And three of us have worked together for about 15 years since I've been in the ministry. Some of we've all kind of worked together for that long on different walks and stuff. And I was realizing one of the guys that was there, he prayed this prayer about you know something. And it's private. And I won't tell you that. But he prayed this prayer. And I prayed my prayer. And uh, the pilgrims are gone and the clergy there because we've got to clean up communion and stuff. And I'm sitting there and I said, Brother... You have prayed that same prayer for the last 15 years. He goes, you know, I was thinking about you too, because the prayer you prayed, you've been praying the same one for a long time too. So my question was, when are we going to change? When are we going to change? Because the reality is, we were discussing it there, the reality is, we must like this sin because we have lived with it for many years, beyond 15 years. And so we made a pact that day. We keep each other accountable through texting and calling and emails. How, how are you doing today? How's the struggle today? Because the struggle's real, people. The struggle of life is real. The struggle to be a better pastor, a better father, a better person, the better, the better all these things, that is real. The, the struggle to have faith, to have faith that God has a plan for your life and to just live it. It is, it is a real struggle. It's a real thing. If you all haven't go there... You know, God's hands upon us. Praise the Lord for that. 
Praise the Lord for that. So the struggle's real. But if we want to change, we have to make it intentional. And I'm here to tell you, if you don't have a daily Bible reading program and at least a weekly study program, those are two different things, reading and studying, two different things, and a weekly, a daily prayer thing, a regular church attendance thing, and a daily coming to Bible study, we've got a great Bible study here in the morning, we've got a great Bible study on Wednesday night. If you're not involved in this and you're not growing in Christ, guess what you're doing? You're the fig tree that's bearing no fruit and you're dying. And the axe is at the tree. The axe is at the tree. So in this Lent season, how is your walk with God? How is it really? How is your relationship? Too many people, and this is Larry's theology. Uh, you, you take it however you want to take it. Too many people to me have been mis- lied to or by accident, I would really say. Believe in God, just confess, your, confess Christ as your Savior and go live your life because no matter what you do after this, you are saved. That is not how I read the Bible. Tammy and I do this thing, not together so much, but we do this thing where we rapidly read through the Bible in six months. I've got it down even kind of shorter than that, but we, we go along there. It's a rapid read through. It's not a study. It's just kind of a, kind of refresh your mind on, on all the stuff goes on. And I get to thinking sometimes... I also get to thinking, man, I'm a pretty good person. I'm a pretty good dad. I'm a pretty good pastor. I'm a pretty good preacher. I'm a pretty good all this stuff. And then I get into parables like this and others. Next week it's Luke 15. I get into those parables and some of the stories of the Bible. And I really realize my place in life. I really realize that I am still in the sewer ditch and looking up. And if it wasn't for God's grace and mercy in my life, I wouldn't be anything. It's because of him that I am anything, that I am something today. And for that, I am truly thankful. And so I ask you this as we close down. How is your walk with Jesus? Are you walking closer since last Wednesday? We're in the Lent season, the reflection season. Since last year at this time, is your walk closer with God than it was last year at this time? If not, if you're not growing, you're dying. And what it's going to be like on the day of judgment when, when this life ends and you stand before the throne? What's it going to be like? Is it going to be like the, the song I can only imagine? It's going to be like that song regardless. I can only imagine you know, you're in the presence of Jesus. But Revelation 20 says not everybody makes it in. The goats and the sheep are separated. What's it going to be like? Is you, are you, my Baptist thing here, is your life right with Christ? If not, you do not know the day or the hour in which you will die. Repent today or perish. One of the greatest things, and I close with this, one of the greatest things, the gift of forgiveness is still free. The gift of grace, the gift of mercy, the gift of the God of all this is free. Not the altar, because the sacrifice has happened. The communion rail is open. If you need to have a little talk with God during the last hymn, is the time to have that talk. If you need somebody to pray for you, just call me over and I'll pray for you. Or pray with you. And so as we close here, repent or perish. How is your life with Jesus? Let us pray. Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves as we come. Lord, I look at this song, I look at this parable, Lord, I, I have asked for forgiveness of my sins, Lord. 
And it just seems like they're just numerous. And I stand here as the pastor of this church and ask for the forgiveness of those who seek forgiveness today, Lord, in the church. And your word is faithful. If we come honestly before you and ask for forgiveness, that you are faithful to forgive. And for that, Lord, we are truly thankful. And Lord, we ask you this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.